Hey folks, welcome back to the Friday show here on the Culture Jack podcast. I'm your host Dustin and today on the show we're going to be talking about the political establishment versus video games. We're going to be talking about politicians that have really just they've had it up to here with your video games. <laughs> um <clears throat> our weekly schedule got a little screwed up this last few days. For those uh, culture jacked acolytes, those those jack offs. <laughs> okay, so early on in this podcast, I tried to convince Anthony. Yeah, you, you know how uh, influencers have names for their audience. You know the the Bear Gang, Movie Files, Baker Boys. Hey, what's up? Uh, it's it's your boy. Uh, what have you? You know. Well, I I tried to convince Anthony that if this podcast ever blew up, you know, in in a way that we would have such an audience that we should call our audience jackoffs and he was roundly against the idea but what you what do you think you know if if you consider yourself part of the culture jacked audience and we were to have the audacity to name you like a newborn baby what should we call you what would what would you like this contingent of internet listeners to be called any, any, anyway, and regardless, uh, for those uh, jacked faithfuls, you may have noticed there was no Friday show and no Monday show last week. Thank you for missing us. We missed, we missed you as well. It was quite a week. And the reason was, <clears throat> unfortunately, the culture jacked family suffered a, a tragedy this last Friday. Uh, Herbals the hamster was he was running in his little satellite wheel when the wheel was knocked loose uh, by darling the cat who then uh, she summoned her ancient instincts from the depths of her feline uh, body and summarily caught and and killed our dear herbals. It was a uh, hard lessons and sad uh, children all weekend long when I broke the news to Anthony he was likewise inconsolable and probably still is. Um, so that's the reason there was no, no Friday show and no Monday, no Monday madness, but we are back this week, uh, though. And even though there's a hole in our heart that will never be filled, we're going to carry on and be strong in his memory. Uh, of course, this is, uh, one of five shows that we host on the podcast every week. We've got, uh, on today's episode on Saturdays, that's uh, coming up tomorrow, which will be the season finale of the first season of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I may have already spoiled myself online too. I'm I'm a little upset about that. Uh, but Anthony's going to be rounding that season out. And then on Sunday, we have the Weekend Wire, followed by Monday Madness on Monday. And then we've got uh, the Culture Jack News Desk, which is, you know, usually on on Thursday. And also, how do I how do I sound? Do I sound all right? I mean, I, I know that uh, Archimedes was convinced that he'd gotten me sick, uh, and he strangely said that we were doing a bunch of kissing. We were not doing a bunch of kissing, <laughs> Archimedes. Please. No, I, I, <clears throat> I want to know how you think I sound, uh, because I think I fixed my issue that I was having with static in the microphone. 
And I won't believe it personally until it's been a few weeks with no issues. But I replaced the uh, USB cord that I use with my microphone, and it seems to have done the trick. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm very sorry uh, to everyone that had to hear those very static-filled episodes that I did. And I do want to extend a huge thank you to those of you that, you know, you stuck stuck by me while I got it figured out. I was just, I was talking to Anthony uh, a few days ago, and I was t- telling him, you know, how cool it is that regardless of the kind of promotion that we do for the episode or how much we broadcast that there's a new episode Upon release of any of the episodes, we do have a consistent amount of regular listeners to the podcast. So if you are one of those who regularly tunes in week after week, show after show, we see you and we appreciate it. Now, as as promised, uh, I am going to break it up a little bit from my admittedly uh, self-inflicted colossal burden of breaking down major story beats of every single story book and movie ever written instead today i'm going to take a walk down memory lane to have a a look peek at all of the times that politicians have tried to uh, censor remove or otherwise change the video game industry now right right off the jump we're being a little political but fortunately for this endeavor the the one to alter your digital hobby is a bipartisan affair. So it doesn't matter what the leanings are of the politicians and you won't find any specific political leanings, but moreover uh, in this episode, a critique of politicians in general, which is something I think that, you know, we can all find a good common ground with no matter your ideologies. So people have, have long rejected art that has challenged their gentle sensibilities or technology that they don't really understand. Hell, my dad continually blamed the poor performance of his Packard Bell on my installing of the real-time strategy game StarCraft on his computer. But unbeknownst to him, and the reason for his computer's affliction was the massive amount of pornography I had downloaded from Kazaa and hidden in a maze of computer folders. Listen, Dad, if you are listening, I'm sorry. I was a teenager, and I will get you a new Packard Bell if you want one. Do they even make Packard Bells anymore? I don't know if they do. Regardless, whether the decided takedown of a controversial art is because of some perceived demonic undertones, overt sexual situations, or because they are considered the catalyst for violent and inhumane actions, the perception of the uh, of the effects of art is most impactful when those fearful of it are in power. Very rarely is art attacked by an artistic community or the community that is built around it simply because they understand it is just the mind come to life and shared. So I think how we're going to move forward on this particular subject is by examining specific cases of litigation brought forth against the video game industry, or perhaps not even litigation, but maybe political rhetoric that teases on the edge of regulation. I'm by far not the first person to examine these things or act as a historian for political attacks on video games. If you do want a more visual representation of the subject, you can check out a uh, YouTube creator named Chris Ray Gunn, 
and I don't know what the name, or I can't remember what the name of the video is that he did, but he did a great video about all of the times that video games found themselves in the crosshairs of politicians looking to gain political points. Okay, so some proposed and passed video game regulation has been of, you know, the sort that I spoke about earlier, the kind to censor or remove those offensive titles within the industry. Back in 2003, the 108th Congress introduced H.R. 669, the, quote, protection, uh, protect children from video game sex and violent act of 2003, end quote. And as an aside, uh, it's not this podcast subject, but the naming of bills in Congress is always so disingenuous. Like you'll have something aimed at, um, we'll say rounding up and, and gassing all of the nation's cats. And it will be called something like the freedom for domestic canine act or, or something along those lines. This bill though, uh, quote, amends the federal criminal code to prohibit the sale or rental to a minor of a video game that depicts nudity, sexual conduct, or other content harmful to minors. And I I mean, looking at it objectively, that doesn't seem like a bad bill. I mean, I don't want my kids getting a hold of something they don't understand yet or something that's going to maybe give them nightmares. But compare this to other art forms like movies and books. Books may have a, a recommended reading age inside the cover, but otherwise they don't indicate a restriction based on age. Movies have rating recommendations that are attached to them that usually theaters or uh, a movie, I guess movie rental places aren't really a thing anymore, uh, don't really have to enforce, but they usually do. But based on the quick research that I did, there hasn't been any legal accountability to any movie theater that has bypassed those recommendations. So this would make uh, for a unique kind of situation when it comes to video games. Had this law passed, I don't believe it did. But I'm not alone on this assumption that video games are being looked at differently than other forms of media. Uh, that they are being scrutinized in a more specific way. In 2005, California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger signed a bill that banned the sale of violent video games to minors. And in that case, Brown v. Entertainment Merchants Association was eventually challenged and taken to the Supreme Court where a 7-2 decision ruled that that bill was unconstitutional. Justice Scalia wrote uh, for the case, and the following is an excerpt from that writing that I found on uh, Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press. Scalia, writing for a five-member majority, framed the case as one of content-based regulation of, of speech. Scalia said California, quote, wishes to create a wholly new category of content-based regulation that is permissible only for speech directed at children. So such uh, a regulatory regime cannot withstand constitutional review, Scalia said. No doubt a state possesses legitimate power to protect children from harm. But that does not include a free-floating power to restrict the ideas to which children may be exposed, Scalia said, citing past cases. Driving home the relevance of the California law to more general principles of free speech, Scalia emphasized the difficulty in limiting First Amendment protections to certain content or topics. 
Uh, again, quote, uh, the free speech clause exists principally to protect discourse on public matters, but we have long recognized that it is difficult to distinguish politics from entertainment and dangerous to try, Scalia said. Scalia's opinion also looked to a long history of violent content in expressive works aimed at children. Grimm's fairy tales, for example, are grim indeed, Scalia said. As her uh, just desserts for trying to poison Snow White, the Wicked Queen is made to dance in red-hot slippers till she fell dead on the floor. A sad example of envy and jealousy. Children's evil stepsisters, or Cinderella's evil stepsisters, I guess he said, uh, have their eyes pecked out by doves. And Hansel and Gretel, who are children, kill their captor by baking her in an oven. So that was the... Uh, opinion of the court. Uh, now, just because a video game is objectionable is not the only reason, like I alluded to before, that it would be the target of political ire. A lot of the most recent attacks on video games have come after tragedies, with politicians looking to place blame of, say, a school shooting on the violent preparation of a warped mind through the digital trenches of games like Call of Duty in Battlefield which is ironic considering some of these proclamations to decimate what is clearly protected First Amendment free speech are made after staunchly defending the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> Listen, we are not solving mass shootings in the U.S. here on Culture Jack today. We are just looking at some of the normal scapegoats for politicians. I'm going to read you some uh, quotes to illustrate my point. And remember, whether you are uh, a, a red or blue uh, character, there are <laughs> there are examples from both sides. All right, from a Washington Post article, after a mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, a Republican from California, said, I've always felt that it's a problem for future generations and others. We've watched studies uh, shown before what it does to individuals. And you look at these photos of how it took place. You can see these action, the actions within video games and others. Well, those, those studies, Kevin, well, they simply don't exist. And that's a topic uh, for a complete uh, different episode of Culture Jack. Violence in video games causing real world violence. But the correlation between the two, between violence in video games and real world violence, has been thoroughly debunked. And this is not a new tactic either for scapegoating video games. After the 1999 school shooting at Columbine, Jeff Sessions, a Republican from Alabama, said on the Senate floor, <clears throat> quote, They are able to hook into the Internet and play video games that are extraordinarily violent, that causes the blood pressure to rise and the adrenaline level to go up, games that cause people to be killed and the players to die themselves. It is a very intense experience. They are able to get into internet chat rooms, and if there are no nuts or people of the same mentality in their own hometown, hook up with people around the country. They are able to rent from the video store, not just go down and see Natural Born Killers or the Basketball Diaries, but they are able to bring home and watch it repeatedly. In this case, even maybe make their own violent film. Many have said that this murder was very much akin to the basketball diaries in which a student goes in and shoots others in the classroom. I have seen a video of that, and many others have. 
in music, there's Marilyn Manson, an individual who, who chooses the name of a mass murderer as part of his name. The lyrics of his music are consistent with the choice of his name. They are violent and nihilistic. They are groups, that, and there are groups of people all over the world who do this, some German groups and others. I guess what I'm saying is, a person already troubled in this modern high-tech world can be in their car and hear the music, and they can be in their room and see the video, they can go into the chat rooms and act out these video games and even take it to real life. Something there is very much of a problem. <clears throat> wow, he had a lot to say on the issue. Now, it might surprise you that I don't completely disagree with Jeff on this one. Like, this is, it's kind of an aside to the attack on video games that I'm talking about today, but to his point that that crazies can hook up with other people that they w otherwise would not have been able to hook up with had it not been for the interconnectedness of our world via the internet. And he said this back before the turn of the millennium, before Y2K was popping off, Sessions was spitting this kind of wisdom. There's another truth in his statement as well, but, but maybe not the one he was intending, and that is that perhaps this isn't so unique to video games. He mentioned Marilyn Manson as well, but Marilyn Manson isn't the first musician to be targeted for, quote, dangerous music. There have, of course, also been calls for censorships of, of books that have, quote, dangerous ideas. Maybe we'll get, get into that in later podcasts, but for now, we'll focus on video games, and specifically, the other side of the U.S. political spectrum. Uh, in 2005, then-Senator Hillary Clinton co-sponsored the Family Entertainment Protection Act, FEPA, with uh, Lieberman. Among other things, the bill pledged to enact criminal penalties for selling games to minors uh, and emboldened the Federal Trade Commission to investigate misleading ratings. Clinton became an enemy to games portraying the form, or at least part of it, as a sin industry. Quote, we need to treat violent video games the way we treat tobacco, alcohol, and pornography. Now, there were, there were five major proposals in the bill, including a prohibition on selling games to minors, uh, where retailers could be heavily fined for selling mature or adult-only games to those under 17, an independent analysis of the ESRB's rating system to figure out if it was actually accurate, the authority for the FTC to investigate misleading game ratings, the authority for consumers to register complaints with the FTC for misleading game ratings, and an audit of retailers, including possible, quote, secret shoppers, to see if underage kids can buy mature or adults-only games from the stores. And here's what she said when she was asked the famous, are video games art question. Art is subjective, she said. It's in the eye of the beholder. I think video games can be fun. They can teach eye-hand coordination and strategy and can introduce children to computer technology. And there is no doubt they are intricate and sophisticated technologically. I'm not in any way trying to do away with video games. I'm strictly concerned with a small subset of games that are harmful to children. Those that are excessively violent and sexually explicit. I want to make sure that children can't obtain these games without their parents' consent. Again, this proposal, like the one in California, never truly found the traction it needed to become law. In reading about this, a good deal of this particular panic was caused by Grand Theft Auto 3 and the violence that it depicted in the game.
I remember that game. <laughs> that game was groundbreaking. Uh, of course, we had other 3D titles before it, but it was squarely an adult title with adult themes. Now, I'm not saying all this to advocate that we sell children violent video games. I'm very specific in what games my own kids play, and there are definitely ones I don't think that they should play. However, once that decision is regulated, I no longer get a choice in the matter. And further, even if it wasn't directly regulated by the video game industry, the video game industry would begin selling uh, or it'd begin self-policing so that mandated content would not affect their bottom line, thus censoring a game that I would like to play uh, through indirect means. So they would censor it before it got the chance to be censored, is what I'm saying. Um, we boosted a story back in February this year out of Chicago, Illinois, where a series of carjackings led to an amendment of a bill that would prohibit the sale of all violent video games in the state and expanded on the definition of violence in games. This one by state representative Marcus Evans Jr., a Democrat, would modify the definition of a violent video game to one that, quote, allows a user to or a player to control a character within the video game that is encouraged to perpetuate human-on-human -human violence in which the player kills or otherwise causes serious physical or psychological harm to another human or animal. So that's, I, I think that's most games. Like, hell, even in Minecraft, you go out and kill pigs and chickens and cows in order to get food for your character to eat. Uh, <clears throat> so this, this bill, again, faces an uphill battle because of cases like Brown v. Entertainment Merchants Association, but it and its kind will continue to be proposed by politicians of all stripes. President Trump said, we must stop the glorification of violence in our society. This includes the gruesome and grisly video games that are now commonplace. It is too easy today for troubled youth to surround themselves with a culture that celebrates violence. We must stop or substantially reduce this, and it has to begin immediately. And in a New York Times interview, then Vice President Joe Biden said, and you may recall the criticism I got for meeting with the leaders in Silicon Valley when I was trying to work out an agreement dealing with them protecting intellectual property for artists in the United States of America. And at one point, one of those little creeps sitting around the table who was a multi, close to a billionaire, who told me he was an artist because he was able to come up with games to teach you how to kill people, you know the, and then the, the Times opinion writer, uh, Charlie Warzel, said, like, like video games? And Biden said, yeah, like video games. And this way of thinking is not just limited to the United States as well. In the aftermath of the 2016 Munich school shooting, uh, not a school shooting, is a Munich shooting. Uh, it was a mall, I think, that killed 10 people. The German minister of the interior, Thomas de Missouri, claimed that the intolerable extent of video games on the Internet has a harmful effect on the development of, of young people. So it's, it's not exclusive to the United States. It's not exclusive to this medium. It is only the most recent target for, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, people who don't understand a thing and by virtue of their own lack of knowledge want to censor or ban that thing. Dungeons and Dragons, Harry Potter, Heavy Metal, or any number of other creations have also found themselves targeted. Or perhaps it's just a good scapegoat for politicians and their own political credit score. 
Now, the video game industry has done a pretty good job of self-regulating with the ESRB, which in its own right was a reaction to a potential governmental regulation. And as an aside, the industry would be smart to start, start self-regulating on uh, loot boxes and microtransactions as well. But even though this industry has done the work to maintain public trust, it does not mean that it will not continue to be heavily scrutinized. I want to bring all of this up to illustrate why, why we can't have nice things. I think it's just really interesting, the thought process that some people have that says because a thing is edgy or controversial, that it... Uh, should be hidden or exiled. A gaming industry that is regulated by the government is one that is the beginning of a censorship of all art. If a game can inspire violence or depravity, so can a painting, a book, or a movie. And that's all I've got today for the Friday show. Thanks for joining me on this kind of uh, traipse, traipse down the political video game landscape. Uh, stay tuned tomorrow for on this episode on Sunday for the weekend wire Monday for Monday madness. And then the culture Jack news desk back here on Thursday. Make sure you leave us a review. Oh, it would go so far for you to leave us a review. And then Archie could stop trying to kiss everyone else in the studio. Um, like he does <laughs> leave us a review on Apple podcasts. If you would, on whatever streaming platform that you're listening on. If you want to get in touch with us, you want more of this type of content or you want less of this type of content or you want a different type of content, let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Culture Jacked. You can also shoot us an email, drop us a line. Uh, it's not the, I guess it's the old fashioned way now because snail mail was, but now email is, I think, also being phased out in favor of direct messages, private messages. But you can email us at uh, culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. <sighs> That's it for the Friday show. Have a good weekend, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.